What's up, guys? This is Mike. This is Dave, and you're listening to the Mike and Dave Podcast. What's up, guys? This is Mike, and you're listening to episode 23, the Jordan episode, if you will, of the Mike and Dave Podcast. It's not the LeBron episode? Not even close, man. We're we're sticking with Jordan. If If LeBron wants to run around the country and change his jersey to six half the time, then he doesn't get to claim number 23. This is our number 23 episode of the Mike and Dave podcast. How you feel going into this episode? Well, as you might imagine, this is Dave, since Mike already introduced himself. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, I'm interested to see how this off the top is going to go, which I'm going to go at, get into here in a second, because uh, it's a little different than what we've done previously, but I think also pretty topical. So are you ready? Always ready. Let's do it. All right. So something that's been thrown around a decent amount recently um, is cap hits in the NFL and how some players are making exorbitant amounts of money um, or counting for exorbitant percentages of their team's cap space. So what I'm going to have Mike do is attempt to guess, and we're just going to do offense because we, we don't have time to do all these positions. Um, and offense is fun. So I'm going to have Mike attempt to guess the top three cap hits for each position. We're just, we'll just do offensive line as a whole um, for like going into next season. So what their 2022 cap hit is going to be. So we'll start with the quarterbacks. Who do you think, and you can do number one, number two, number three if you want, but who do you think is in the top three for cap hits for quarterbacks going into next season? Matt Ryan. Isn't he due like 48 million? <laughs> yep, he's number one. Okay. 48.6. Patrick Mahomes is worth like 40 something million, isn't he? Take another guess. I'm trying to think. Well, wait, uh, Russell Wilson. Is probably getting a decent amount, right? So well, he is getting a decent amount. I don't know about top three cap hit though. Okay, so Matt Ryan was number one. Aaron Rodgers was number two, and Kirk Cousins forty five mil guaranteed. Oh, shut at up! Number three, Patrick Mahomes number six, and Russell Wilson was number ten, only at twenty four million, bro. Yeah, that that contract he's going to get from the Broncos is about to be insane. One other fun fact, the four and five slots. So between Kirk Cousins and Patrick Mahomes, we have Deshaun Watson at 40 million. And then Mr. Ryan Tannehill himself at 38.6. What? Oh boy. Get out of here, man. Yeah. So those are the quarterbacks. Now moving on to the running backs. All right, top three, who you got? Ezekiel Elliott? Yep, he's number one. <laughs> by, by three million, which doesn't sound like a lot, but with running back salaries, it's it's actually a decent gap between him and the next highest paid. Derrick Henry. Yep, he's number two at 15 million. I'm going to go Alvin Kamara. Yep, you got it. 14 Ooh, that's a splash. Let's 14.5 just barely beating out Christian McCaffrey at number four. Okay. 
That was pretty good. You got all three of them. Top three wide receivers. Who you got? I'll go Devontae Adams. He is not in the top three. Should be. He just got the franchise tag, by the way. So, him and Aaron Rodgers staying in Green Bay. We'll talk about that at a later date. I don't know how confident I am in this one, but it came to me, so I'll say it anyway. Stefan Diggs. He is not. He is number 10. You know what? I'll take top 10. Whatever. Uh, Let's see. All right. I'll take one more guess then. Mm Mm-hmm. I gotta land one of these. Otherwise, that's sad. I'm surprised you haven't said one of these names, I will say. Okay, I'm between two. I'm, I'm gonna say these two. Just whatever. Okay. I don't care. Tyreek Hill and Julio Jones. Okay, Tyreek Hill's number four. Julio's number 17. I, I couldn't remember, like, what his contract ended up looking like. Uh huh. Yeah. So, number one, this is the one that I thought. DeAndre Hopkins, 25 mil. It's number two and number three that are pretty interesting. Coming in at number two, who apparently is going to get cut, Amari Cooper. I was almost, I was about to say that. And then coming in at number three, the the third highest paid wide receiver in the league, Kenny Galladay. Yep. Kenny freaking Galladay. Sure, man. You know, why not? Yeah. He Hey, he caught like 500 yards this year or something. Yeah, if that, he played in like three games. Um, all right. Tight ends, and then we've got offensive line, and then we'll be done. So tight ends, top three. Travis Kelsey. He is number nine. It's team friendly. Wait, I was about to say, what a freaking steal. I couldn't believe it when I looked at this. Well, what's what's Kittle making then? He is number one. He's at 16 mil. Okay, cool. There you go. Did Darren Waller sign his extension yet? I don't know, but I, I'm i looking at the at his number and it doesn't look like he has. Or if he has, then yeah. he the team came out pretty fortunate on that one. Yeah, I was like, I don't think he has. Yeah. Okay, so... Oh. Number two, Hunter Henry. Number three, Jonu Smith. Yes, the Patriots have two of the top three tight end, paid tight ends in the league. And neither of them is probably top ten. Wow. Okay. So now we have offensive line to close it out. Top three offensive linemen. Spoiler alert. I'll give you a hint. They're all left tackles. I was about to say, probably left tackles. Um, David Bakhtiari. I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. Number seventeen. Well, damn. He had. A, he probably took that cut so they could give Aaron Rodgers all that. <laughs> Keep money. playing Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. <laughs> what a guy. Yeah. Yeah. Only making that fourteen point five mil. <laughs> Which you can spend on beer at the Bucks games to keep chugging on the jumbotron. My guy, uh, Trent Williams, number nineteen at fourteen. Shut up. <laughs> um. Oh, uh, I'll just lock in Ronnie Stanley. Okay, 
He's number six, so a lot closer. Number one, Laramie Tunsil. Number two, Jake Matthews. Come on, man. And number three, Garrett Bowles. You know what's sad? Whenever I hear Laramie Tunsil, the first thing I think of is still that gas mask thing on draft night. <laughs> that guy's just never going to get over that, honestly. Um, that cloud is going to hang over him. <laughs> um, but yeah, so coming in at number four was DJ Humphreys. Five was Taylor Decker. And the highest, the only one who wasn't a left tackle in the top 10 was Joe Tooney for the Chiefs. So this whole exercise was just to point out not to like really test Mike on his knowledge of cap hits in the NFL, but more to just point out that it's about value um, when it comes to free agent signings. And unless it's they're the best of the best, AKA like Aaron Rodgers making all that money, he just won MVP. It makes sense. But when it comes down to it, these, I mean, these cap hits are crazy. Like Jake Matthews, second best, being paid like the second best left tackle in the league. Come on, man. Um, Kenny Galladay. I'm sure the New York Giants are really regretting that decision to sign that, that man up. If you were guessing along at home, let us know how many you you may have gotten right or wrong. I can't imagine it's going to be a ton unless you're just like a big nerd about NFL <laughs> salary caps or not. But anyways... So yeah, so that's our off the top for this episode. And we're going to keep the NFL theme going by going back and reviewing our NFL preseason tier list that we put together on this podcast and revisit the bottom half of that tier list and see how the teams actually did um, in this past NFL season. So we'll be right back. All right. So like Dave said, we are going to revisit the preseason NFL tier list, which we debuted in episode nine. So we're throwing it way back and we're going to talk about basically the bottom half of this tier list on this episode, because we want to be able to give every team the attention that they do or don't deserve. And in order to do that, because we like to dig deep, it's going to take a couple episodes to really address everything that we want to talk about. So we're going to talk about the bottom half ish on this episode, and then we'll talk about the upper half on a later episode, just to give you something to look forward to. So when we start talking about like at number 32, we're going based on where we had them initially. And then we'll talk about how they did this season. So to kick it off with number 32, the team that we thought would be the worst in the NFL, the Houston Texans. How do you feel like, how do you think we did on this one? We weren't too far off. I mean, our, our reasoning was brand new head coach, brand new GM, no quarterback, an, a roster that just wasn't very good top to bottom, and an organization that at that point was in disarray. Spoiler alert, they're still in disarray now, but they managed to pull through, pull through, I don't know if that's the correct term to describe a 4-13 and 13 record, but that was good for the third worst record in the league, so... If you're counting at home, that's 30th, and we had them at 32, so pretty close. Um, 
but yeah, it was it was a pretty bad season overall. And just to put a number to this, their team got the fewest yards per game. Meanwhile, their defense allowed the second most yards per game. So you got teams just going up and down the field all over you, and then you're not going anywhere, basically. Didn't really excel anywhere. And so, like you said, they're tied for the third worst record in the NFL at 4-13. and That's a three-way tie with the Jets and the Giants. Not exactly great company. So moving on, the Detroit Lions. We said that they would suck, and we nailed it. Actually, at 3-13-1, the Lions will be drafting second in this draft. Second worst team? We said they'd be the second worst team? That sounds like cash to me. I'm going to go ahead and spoil it for y'all. We're not going to get all of these right, or sometimes even in the same ballpark, but... We'll take this one, though uh, admittedly it didn't take a genius to know that the Lions were going to suck <laughs> this season. If, if you know us on the Mike and Dave podcast, then you know that we'll admit when we're wrong, but we'll take our dubs where we can get them. Yeah. I mean, to put a number to it, like Mike said, over the past three years, the Lions have averaged 3.7 wins per season. So there was, a, there was precedent. It was one of those seasons for the Lions where yes, they ended up with a second worst record, but it wasn't for lack of trying. Um, I think the Lions really made a lot of fans around the league for how well they competed in games. They just didn't quite have the talent necessary to pull through in a lot of those close games. But I mean, I think about that Ravens game, for example, where Justin Tucker had to hit that, league record like 65 66 yard field goal to win the game at the end of the game otherwise the lions would have won that i mean if you if you're the lions like what can you what can you do in that situation but they definitely fought head coach dan campbell in his first season he lit a fire under him and you know they they have they found a few building blocks as well amon ross st brown in particular was very good um you know, they got him in the fourth round, I believe, last year. And, you know, he, he proved to be a steal. But, I mean, they're going to have to do something about Jared Goff. The Rams did something about Jared Goff, and that worked out for them. But I don't think the Lions can just go get Matt Stafford. They they had him for years, and that didn't they didn't do anything with him. Yeah, Amon Ross St. Brown uh, broke the Lions record for both, or the rookie record for receptions and receiving yards that's for the Lions, of course um yeah a lot of like detroit-based journalists were like raving about the culture that dan campbell was setting and defensive coordinator um aaron glenn who was like weirdly getting interview looks as like for a head coaching position i don't quite know why other than like culture but <laughs> i don't i don't know if Detroit fans want to take that as a sign like oh we have a DC that's like coveted elsewhere uh no I would just like take your little bright spots try to draft well with that second overall pick especially in a year where there don't seem to be any like of course we'll talk about the draft in a future episode but there don't seem to be any like generational stud quarterbacks so this 
this seems to be a good draft to take like best available and move forward with your life. Moving on to number 30, we had the lowly New York Jets. Mike, how'd we do on this one? Well, like we said before, it was a three-way tie for the third worst record between the Giants, Jets, and Texans. So in that regard, we kind of got it right. Uh, that means they're all tied for the, the number 30 team in the NFL. We had Jets at 30. Sounds like we nailed it. Zach Wilson, uh, as we've seen from other rookie quarterbacks on the Jets in years past, it's a rough start. It's not a good place to go if you want a successful quarterbacking career in the NFL. Nine touchdowns to 11 interceptions. The Jets probably had the worst defense in football this year, if not the worst, and they were like certainly among them. It, you know, Bad offense, bad defense, growing pains to say the least. But I think this is back-to-back. We did like literally as well as we could have in terms of predicting that. For sure. Technically, they're drafting fourth, so they would go 29th, but pretty much we were spot on with that one. You know, shout out to the Jets for one particular reason, and that's they managed to beat the Super Bowl runners-up in the Bengals way back in week seven when good old Mike White, remember him, stepped in, threw for 400 yards and three touchdowns, and ended up outdueling Joe Burrow on the day and the Jets got their second win uh, in that game. So, you know, that was a bright spot for Jets fans, but overall another season of disappointment, Zach Wilson, all the hype. I mean, like you said, it's where quarterbacks go to, I don't want to say die, but bust maybe. Um, It's just, it's a sad situation. Hopefully Zach Wilson can regain his confidence and um, have a better season next year. Cause I mean, they invested all that draft capital in him and they're going to have to try to give him another shot. Yeah. And there were certainly like moments, you know, it's not like, it's not like you spent all season not showing any potential, but when I say moments, I mean like moments that you have to look hard for. And most of those moments came from his ability to like move around, not necessarily like throw dots, which is secondary when you're a quarterback, right? Uh, the moving around. Well, he didn't have any choice because his offensive <laughs> line sucked so bad. It wasn't necessarily by choice that he was running around. It was for his life. And he already got knocked out of a few games due to injury. So, I mean, I guess we can praise him for his ability doing that, but it's one of those like fight or flight things. And he ran away. So I'm sure he's hoping to just catch a flight on the next plane out of New York already. Like, can I get traded to Detroit or something? I mean, trade him to Carolina. The Panthers can just start collecting all those failed <laughs> New York Jet quarterbacks who theoretically have some potential left, but probably don't. Which we will get to before too terribly long on this episode. Maybe it's one of those things where like the Jets just start sucking the potential out of quarterbacks, and then they just have to get out of there before it's too late. And Sam Darnold's just a husk at this point. <laughs> Maybe that's a little harsh, but you know, it is the NFL. It, Deal with it. It is the Jets. Like, there's precedent, you know? Speaking of precedent for being bad, at 29, we had the Jacksonville Jaguars, and we overhyped them. 
I feel like overhyped is a strong word. I mean, and I should also mention, yes, we're going from 32 and go, and working our way up, but all of these teams we did put in our no shots tier, which means we didn't think that they had any shot of winning the Super Bowl. I, what I will say is both Mike and I knew that Urban Meyer wasn't the guy. I I think even we didn't anticipate how bad of a job he was going to do in every way possible of leading and coaching this team. It's a sad situation for for the Jags and thankfully Urban Meyer, you know, isn't there anymore. Super Bowl champion Doug Peterson is going to step in, see what he can do there, but in terms of their season, I mean, there's a reason they're drafting number 1 overall and had a 3 and 14 record. They were bad and every level, um, Trevor Lawrence included. Now, two things to add. First of all, they'll have the number one pick for the second time in as many years. It's only the sixth time in NFL history that a team is picked first overall in back-to-back drafts. The last two times that this has happened has been the Cleveland Browns, most recently in 2017 and 2018. But just very much uh, indicative of poor performance and just you know, not just on like a couple players parts, but just like as a culture and inability to get things going. But also Trevor Lawrence, 17 interceptions as a rookie. I mean, it's not like that's a new record for rookies. The record is actually Peyton Manning's 28 rookie interceptions. Peyton Manning also threw 26 26 touchdowns to go with them (laughs) compared to Trevor Lawrence's 12. But... Um, it's Jacksonville. Whenever we talk about young quarterbacks, we have to remember their situation. We've talked about dysfunction that is like New York or Jacksonville. So I'm not on the Trevor Lawrence bus train just yet. Feel for him though. Jacksonville is a rough one. Speaking of rough ones. Oh man. Next in our tier list coming in hot at number 28. We had none other than Joe Burrow's Cincinnati Bengals. Yep. I don't don't turn off don't turn off the podcast. Don't unsubscribe, okay? I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to make some excuses real quick. <laughs> Number 1. Joe Burrow was coming off of the ACL injury that he suffered last year, and when we recorded that uh episode, reports were coming out of camp that he did he did not look like the same Joe Burrow. He was not completely healthy and they weren't sure if he was going to start week one. So that's a huge indication right there. Number two, Jamar Chase was struggling in, in preseason and in practice, he was dropping balls all over the place. You know, he, he looked out of his depth and remember he hadn't played for, for quite some time. We were looking at that and saying, you know, Joe Burrow may not be back. Jamar Chase is looking like he's not ready for the NFL. It may take them a while to get going. And even then, they still had all those those issues of their their bad offensive line, um, the defense not stepping up, and a coaching staff that hadn't really proven anything. And you know what? We were wrong. Joe Burrow had an, an, maybe not an MVP caliber season, but he showed why he is one of the up-and-coming quarterbacks in the league. And one of the the quarterbacks that you would choose to start your franchise with, honestly, at this point. 
maybe even making the Bengals a destination for free agents. Uh, I, I saw a report about that coming out recently. Uh, of course, Jamar Chase broke the receiving yards record for a Bengals player. I mean, so I guess those preseason reports were wrong and you can't believe everything you hear. That's for damn sure. Like you said, the reports about Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase couldn't have been more wrong, or at least like they certainly weren't foreshadowing of anything, let's say. We've talked about this guy before on this podcast, but Trey Hendrickson, great season uh, with the they made that move of signing him. There were question marks around that, but he showed out for it. And yeah, there were good reasons, I think, that we slept on them. We won't sleep on them next year. And I think it's a fluke that we um that we were this wrong, going from twenty eight and saying they had no shot about a team that ended up going to the Super Bowl. But I don't think the Bengals' success is a fluke. I think that they will be contenders as long as Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are there. They they just have that feel like like the Bengals just struck gold and have like put two home run players together in pretty quick succession. Props to them. Now moving on to number 27. We'll redeem ourselves real quick. We had the New York Giants who, uh, surprise, surprise, weren't good this year. We had them at 27. They're drafting fifth overall. So technically we oversold them a little bit. So we were one off, but still they were in that no shots tier. And they proved they proved us right over the course of the season coming in at 4-13. and 13. If you listen to like everything coming out of New York, as it relates to the Giants. Are they ready to give up on Daniel Jones? There's divide there. Is it time to get something in exchange for Saquon Barkley? There's divide there. Um, looking at Daniel Jones, he missed the last three games of the season uh, due to injury. Uh, he did throw more touchdowns than interceptions this year. Uh, his completion percentage went up to like, 64 and a half or something like that shout out to daniel jones for only losing one fumble this year though yeah <laughs> like let's talk about that improvement because that was his biggest problem up until this season now if only the rest of the giants organization could do what daniel jones just did oh here's a major problem let me put in effort to fix it i mean they're the giants are trying they've you know, Joe Judge is gone. Dave Gettleman retired. So let New York rejoice. Yeah. And we won't be able to make Dave Gettleman jokes anymore. I mean, I, I think we probably still can for for a little while while he's still relevant. Let's go on to number 26 where we had the Carolina Panthers. Now, they started 3-0. and And we were like, whoa, hold on. But life caught up. We we were ahead of the game. We knew better. They finished after three and They went two and twelve to finish five and twelve. Sam Darnold. He looked good in those three games, and then he returned to doing Sam Darnold things. Uh, Cam Newton was quote unquote back, and it was sad. <laughs> uh, you know, 
for all the like headlines and feel goody stories, his stats just weren't that great. Uh, Christian McCaffrey only played like seven games. That's never going to help. Didn't help my fantasy team. <laughs> <laughs> um, the fact that they had the sixth worst record means we were also only like one spot off for the Panthers as well. So with the exception of the Bengals are doing pretty darn well here. I'm definitely taking it so far. I mean, the exception of the Bengals is like a really big exception, but that aside, I'll take it so far. Yes. Sam Darnold disappointed again. Cam Newton was not the savior that they thought he was going to be. McCaffrey got hurt again for the second season in a row. And then Robbie Anderson. I mean, what happened to that guy? What happened to the guy last year? He was, who was balling. He had a horrible season. DJ Moore still did his thing, but I mean, that was about it on the offensive side. So the Panthers are right now one of those teams where they got to figure out the quarterback situation. <laughs> quarterback situation. Quarterback situation. Shout, shout out if, you, if you've if you been here since, uh, since that, if you know what we're talking about. But yeah, so moving on to the next team that we had, the Chicago Bears. And this is the last team that we had in our no shots, or I guess you could say the best of the no shots. And once again, I mean, we were doing pretty well here, except for the Bengals. We were only one off because the Bears ended up with the record of six and 11, picking number seven. Well, they don't even have their first round pick that's going to the Giants. That's awkward. But yeah, I mean, if it wasn't for the Bengals, then we would have gotten all these freaking spot on because they've all just been one off. So. Come on, Joe. Really? You had to take this away from us? But anyways, back to the Bears. This is a, a team that I don't even know where to start. Um, I mean, of course, they drafted Justin Fields to be their, their guy. But they come out and they have Andy Dalton start at quarterback. Uh, and then Justin Fields comes in and starts running around for his life. Now, I will say there's Zach Wilson quote showing potential. And then there's Justin Fields showing potential. And he definitely had a lot of those moments. Yeah. He's got some work, you know, some, some work to, to do, but really the, the one bright spot that they had on their team for me was Darnell Mooney. Cause Alan Robinson, I mean, where was he? <laughs> Poor Mike and his, I'll tell you where he was. On the bench on, your- on my fantasy team, <laughs> along with Robbie Anderson. Damn it. You know, I'm sure we'll do another fantasy episode later on because we love fantasy sports. I, I can't imagine us not talking about that. And so we will revisit it, and I'm sure we'll make many more jokes about how trash my team was this season. And guess what? That doesn't even apply just to football. Because I'm struggling in basketball too. Oh, what a, what a time to be alive. But let me say a couple things about the Bears real quick. They fired Matt Nagy. Finally. Now, now here's why I say finally. And it's something else that we kind of got right. Because when we did our preseason tier list, I said they should have fired Matt Nagy. I'm taking that. They did. I don't know if they listened to the Mike and Dave podcast. If they didn't, then start (laughs) then they deserved what they got (laughs) yeah this is why you're a no shot 
Now, they've um, they've hired Matt Eberfus or Eberfus or Eberfus. I don't even know how to say this dude's name, but they got him, former Colts defensive coordinator, to be their new head coach. Not mad at it, eh, but we don't even know how to say his last name, so <laughs> we can't really say too much about the hire. But what we can say is that it's not Matt Nagy, so um, yeah, upgrade. Then they hire Luke Getze, who's the quarterback, who's been the quarterback coach and passing game coordinator in Green Bay for the past like two or three seasons. Uh, I mean, if you need an offensive coordinator, then he better be a pass fo- a quarterback focused one because your whole future should be relying on Justin Fields right now. So I don't know enough about Luke Getze, and if you're talking about Green Bay, I'm always going to ask like how much is it the coordinators and how much is it just Aaron Rodgers being Aaron Rodgers? How much credit can we give Luke Getze? It's not like he's been there the whole time, but one other thing I want to say, we're I want, I want to ask y'all, y'all can decide if this counts. I think it does. Dave doesn't. When we did our bold, we did bold and reasonable predictions for the NFL season. And my bold prediction was that, one of the big five rookie quarterbacks would suffer a season-ending injury. Let me tell you all what happened, in case you forgot. Justin Fields missed the last game of the season because he was on COVID protocol, but I'm not done. The two games before that, he missed because of an ankle injury. So essentially what happened is this man hurt his ankle in like week 15 and didn't play again for the rest of the season. It's not every day we get a bold prediction right. In fact, I don't know that we've gotten a bold prediction right on this podcast. And so I'm eager to take this one. I know we have gotten one right. I can't remember what it was, but I know I because I remember being like, yes, we got one. But I can't remember what it was. But See, I was thinking that was like a reasonable prediction that we got right. No, I wouldn't have celebrated that hard because it's a reasonable <laughs> prediction. With that, I think it's time to move into our next tier, the long shots. And this is a great way to kick this off, I think. The first team we had in the long shots, the worst of the long shots, if you will, at 24, was the Philadelphia Eagles. And guess what happened? They finished 9-8, and eight, uh, around middle of the pack, and they went to the playoffs, where they got bounced immediately by the Buccaneers. So, long shot. Seems pretty accurate here. Making the playoffs, but not really having a chance once you get there. Feels about right. Yeah. Now, were they the worst of the long shots? Definitely not, as you will see uh, once we get a little higher in this tier. But yeah, I think long shots did describe them pretty well. So the, so the Eagles definitely did better than I expected them to this, this season. It was a situation where they beat all the teams that they were supposed to beat for the most part, and then they lost to all the teams they were supposed to lose to. Jalen Hurts did his thing. I thought he definitely did enough to keep his starting job next year. Devontae Smith, I know that he was a guy who we were pretty high on coming into the season. I thought he did pretty well overall. I mean, he didn't have a Jamar Chase-level impact. I mean, few rookies ever have, but... He still did okay, especially for an offense that was once they finally decided to 
you know, focus that more around the run rather than trying to pass it like 40 times a game with Jalen Hurts, which didn't make any sense. Um, you know, Devontae Smith did his thing. He was their number one receiver. He filled that role. Like we've talked about before, this team, they didn't really have any chance of making any noise, and they didn't. They just did a little bit better in the regular season than we thought. They also suffered a tough blow early on when Brandon Graham, my guy, ruptured his Achilles in week two. Just that's automatically like a tough, like tough pill to swallow early on in the season. But I think you said all the important stuff. And the main thing I'd like double down on is that Jalen Hurts, in my mind, should be the guy moving forward. At least like he at least bought himself another year, but he doesn't give me any sort of reason to doubt that he can be their quarterback moving forward. So I think this is a good year for the Philadelphia Eagles to sort of see like, here's what we have. Here's what's working. Here's what's not. Let's address that like in the summer. Now, number 23. Ooh, buddy, we got stuff to talk about. Denver Broncos. They finished seven and 10, which is tied for the eighth worst record in the league. Again, that's pretty close to where we had them. That's exact, we got that one exactly right. There you go. Doesn't get closer than exactly right. So they were playing Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. They won't be doing that next year. Breaking news that we got today when we were recording this. They have traded. You ready for all this? Noah Fant, Drew Locke, Shelby Harris, two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and a fifth-round pick for Russell Wilson. And a fourth-round pick. So we have our first like big boom of the offseason, Russell Wilson going to Denver. Dave, how do you feel about this? Well, when the news broke that Aaron Rodgers was going to re-sign with Green Bay, the Broncos were kind of left with, all right, then we've got to give up a King's ransom to get Russell Wilson out of Seattle. And we'd heard the rumors, you know, Russell Wilson coming out and saying that he was unhappy, but he had that no trade clause. And it was, it's pretty weird to imagine him being in any other uniform, but the Broncos made the move and they've got pretty much all of the pieces that she would want to make a, a playoff run and, and have a contending team. They were dismissing the quarterback. Well, they just got him, and they didn't give up any major players. I mean, Noah Fant, it's fine, I guess, but I mean, they didn't give up any huge pieces that would detract from that happening. It's just, yes, they're mortgaging the future a little bit, but what do we just see with the Rams? They haven't drafted in the first round since who knows when, and they managed to win a Super Bowl. So the Broncos are probably looking at that and saying, you know what? We'll go make a big move of our own. We saw that the Rams can do it. We're going to we're gonna trade for our quarterback because we know that's what we need. And <laughs> no more Drew Locke, no more Teddy Bridgewater, no more stop gaps, no more projects. Russell Wilson's a winner. And we're going to see how he does in Denver with all those weapons that he's got. I mean, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, Javante Williams, freaking beast. He's got a bunch of weapons to work with there, not to mention a defense that is ready for prime time. So I, I really like it from the Broncos and the, and the Seahawks. They knew that the, 
they knew that the time was near. And I think they got the most that they could expect to get for Russell Wilson. They just got to make those draft picks count. Definitely. I like this move from the Broncos. You know, go get your guy. Uh, Especially, like you said, after the example that the Rams set forth. Now, Jerry Judy, I like that. Interestingly enough, he didn't catch a single touchdown in the 10 games that he played this season. I expect that to change next year with Russell Wilson freaking thrown into him. Mentioned Javante Williams. Yeah, he and Melvin Gordon put together a nice rushing attack down up there in Denver. And Javante Williams, to pat ourselves on the back about something we were right about, is a guy that we were both high on going into the draft, and we were looking at the Falcons potentially drafting him. We drafted Richie Grant instead of Javante Williams. Literally, when we were watching the draft tick down, I was like, oh, shoot, we could grab Javante Williams with our first pick in the second round. He's fallen right in our laps. Nope, Richie Grant, who like barely even played. <sighs> Such a waste. I love Javante Williams, one of my favorite players to watch in the NFL. Uh, I I am a huge fan, and this this Denver offense. I mean, it's going to be scary good for years to come for sure. And just think, like now in the AFC West, you have Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, Patrick Mahomes. And Justin Herbert. We've talked about the NFC West being tough. But this AFC West now is just like, good luck. Whoever comes out of that is going to compete in the playoffs every single time. So, to sum all that up, the Broncos, they had a subpar season for the talent that they had on the roster. This move for Russell Wilson jumps them from a long shot to, I think, a Super Bowl contender. Um right away. And that's crazy that just one guy can make all the difference, but they're not going to lose too too many big pieces from that team. And this is going to be the 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 addition that's going to vault them up and competing with uh with the Chiefs, with the Chargers, with the Raiders. All those teams are going to be in the mix come playoff time next year. So, it'll be pretty interesting to see. At 22, we've got the Washington football team who get this have a name now whether or not you like it is you know up for discussion but the washington commanders let's just try to get used to saying that i guess so the washington now commanders finished seven and ten which is 22nd best in the nfl and we had them at 22 so give us that one hey we do have some news now apparently washington has traded two third round picks and an exchange of second-round picks to the Indianapolis Colts for Carson Wentz. Now, this whole episode, we've been revisiting Episode 9. But if you really want to revisit Episode 9, you can hear what I had to say about Carson Wentz at the time. And I stand by it. If, If that weren't accurate, then the Colts wouldn't be willing to give up on that experiment after one year. And, I mean, would, if I'm Washington, I'll, I wouldn't give up two picks and downgrade in the second round for Carson Wentz. I'd Forget it. Just give me Heineke or I'll try to find something better. I don't, I don't know if Wentz is a problem solver here. Carson Wentz, is, he had that MVP caliber season. Was that 2017 now or something? 
it was a long time ago and I think all these teams are just trying to recapture that magic and I don't know if he has it in him to be honest he just hasn't seemed to be that same player and, and find that same level and reports were also coming out that he just he's not a good teammate he's not a good leader he's not what teams are looking for in their franchise quarterback and so he's just getting shuffled around from team to team now and they're still paying for him apparently Washington wanted Russell Wilson but the Seahawks wanted to trade him out of the conference so they settled for Carson Wentz and I mean that's really settling (laughs) but yeah I mean who knows maybe Tyler Taylor Heineke wins that job next season they could also draft a quarterback who knows at this point uh but I guess they thought it was worth the risk we'll see as much as I would love to believe that Taylor Heineke can like come in and start next year too it just feels like you know why give up that draft capital for a backup you know what I mean like I I mean I guess like if you want to argue well it's two third rounders and they're just kind of seeing seeing what they can get out of him oh he was an mvp caliber player once what's the worst that could happen if if it doesn't work out we didn't give up like first rounders or anything but i i strongly believe they're bringing him in to be the starter freaking best of luck to y'all the good news for carson Wentz is that he will have a couple of good weapons that actually did perform well this season thousand yard seasons from antonio gibson and terry mclaurin i think we talked about this early on like several, several episodes ago. But it was really that defense that we were relying on when we made this preseason tier list, and that's what disappointed about Washington. So technically, we were right about where we put them. But <laughs> maybe for the wrong reason. Hey, it's not about the journey. It's about the result. That's, isn't that what they always say? <laughs> um, regardless, not yeah. All, but go on. <laughs> regardless, I mean, this was definitely not the best that the commanders could have done. Um, I think that they had the talent to do a lot better than they performed. I mean, of course, losing Ryan Fitzpatrick at the beginning of the season, that was pretty tough. Uh, Taylor Heineke did a serviceable job, I think. But yeah, I mean, they got to do something about that defense because they have the the players necessary to to make some, you know, make an impact. That defensive line is still good. I mean, they did, they underperformed. Chase Young did not have the season we thought he was going to have. I mean, the man had one and a half sacks in nine games. After all that hype. It's shameful. But, I'm sh- I mean, he has a talent to bounce back for sure. Um, you know, Terry McLaurin, Antonio Gibson, those are a couple of guys that they'll have for for quite some time and you know they they lost logan thomas too pretty early in the season and he tried to come back and it didn't work so you know that was a big piece of their offense that was missing too but they've got some pieces maybe now that they actually have a name they'll they'll rally behind it and um or something i i don't know but i think we can expect better from washington next season I think we can as well. I think who we can't expect better from and who we shouldn't have expected better from. And to be fair, we said at the time, hey, this is probably optimistic. Uh, Yeah, it was. At 
21, we had the Atlanta Falcons. Now, they finished 25th best. Uh, so it's only four off. Where do we want to start with this? Uh, g- go ahead. I want. Last time you ran about the Falcons, it was comedy. So just by all means, I'll just like follow up with what like whatever you say. Go for it. Call me Shakespeare, because I'm going from a comedy to a tragedy. All right, there's no humor left in me to describe the Atlanta Falcons. I'm drained. I have a master's in English, and that made me want to vomit. <laughs> Didn't Shakespeare write tragedies? He did. It was just the. It was just the statement. <laughs> Call me Shakespeare. <laughs> I mean, Dave Shakespeare. Hey, I think it's, I think there's got there's a ring to it. That's all I'm gonna say. Um, I thought for a second you meant that he didn't write tragedies. I was like, I'm pretty sure that Romeo and Juliet's a tragedy. I know that yes. one. So <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll do a fun fact about Shakespeare at some point. Anyways, moving on, talking about the Falcons. They should have had a much worse record than they actually did. I don't know how they managed to win all of those close games that they did. Probably because number one, Young Way Koo is a baller and number two all of that horrible luck that the falcons used to have with losing close games had to turn around eventually and it did we didn't win any game by double digits this season we got blown out plenty of times um <laughs> that's for sure uh you know finishing at seven and ten that doesn't necessarily surprise me but I think that they probably should have done worse than they actually did. And I think we're probably in for a worse season next year. Matt Ryan, we were just talking about that cap hit. It's the biggest of any quarterback going into next season. They got to do something about that. Kyle Pitts had a decent rookie season for sure. I mean, overall, at least yardage wise, one of the best rookie tight end seasons ever. Yeah. He had the one touchdown, which was a shame, but I mean, he made the Pro Bowl as a rookie, and tight and rookie tight ends are supposed to struggle. So I'm happy about that pick for sure. But two things have to be addressed. Number one, we got to get some pressure on the damn quarterback. I mean, my goodness, they had he had all day. I mean, is it doesn't matter who. I mean, we didn't cause pressure on really any quarterbacks all season. That and I feel like that's been the case since we draft we drafted Vic Beasley, however long ago that was. It's been the same old thing over and over again. We gotta fix that. And then on the offensive side, what are we going to do at receiver? Uh right now, I mean, I guess now is a, a good time to as good of a time as any to talk about Calvin Ridley. Um as we're recording this. This news broke uh, yesterday, I believe. And I'm sure that you've heard it by now. Calvin Ridley suspended all of next season for betting on games, including on a Falcons game. Uh, Now, at least he bet on them to win. But regardless, I mean, there's just a whole lot to unpack here. We're not going to do a huge deep dive into this, but we definitely felt like it deserved mentioning because his absence from the team last season was a big part of the reason why uh why they struggled and now he'll be absent all of next season 
the only what we have what was the one receiver that we have on contract for next year frank darby yep <laughs> if you if you just said who i i get it we i understand uh we'll be without calvin ridley as we were for most of this season uh betting on games it's not that gambling is reprehensible behavior it's that you are literally not allowed to do it like that's in your contract not just with the falcons but as an nfl player you knew that it was wrong when you did it as you admitted and then you come out and you're t- and his tweets are like just ironically funny um he's like people are saying i have a gambling problem when i don't and i'm like no one's calling you an addict but if you're like putting gambling over this not only the team's success but really just like be selfish for a second and think about the millions it's costing you that it's kind of a problem if you can't step away from it also he says, oh, it's only $1,500. Well, you bet 1500 and lost out on like $10.1 which means you're a shitty gambler. Man. I was about to say. What an L. I was about to say, he says he doesn't have a gambling problem, but he sure is gambling with his own career. I would call that a problem. I mean, listen, I don't want to get into the whole specifics of, because I don't know them, of what he's going through in terms of mental health. You know, Mike and I are both really big in terms of advocating for mental health and all of that. So I don't want to speak negatively to that. But what I will say is this man comes out and says he doesn't have a gambling problem. He bets $1,500. He risks his whole career and his reputation on this. You got to be smarter than that, man. I mean, you have... Of course, he worked really hard to get into the NFL, but you have some God-given talent and some natural athletic ability. I will never have an ounce of that athletic ability that Calvin Ridley has. And yet he, he goes and potentially throws it all away for what? $1,500. Uh, I, I just, I just look at some of these stories that come out and some of these situations. And I just, how can, these guys just not see the bigger picture, um, you know, and maybe whatever he was going through, like was keeping him from having a clear head and being able to see that. I don't know, but you got to have people around you who you can trust and who are going to guide you and support you in the right ways. And, uh, and we were talking about Alvin Kamara not so long ago and the last episode. Yeah. Uh, doing that and, and his, his friends not, stopping him and de-escalating the situation, but piling on and making things worse. And, you know, I, I don't know what's going on with Calvin. I hope that he's doing better. You know, I, I don't like to see this for him, but in terms of what he did, I mean, he let his team down massively. I mean, the Falcons stood by him. They didn't try to trade him because they knew all the stuff was coming. You know, last season they were completely supportive of him taking time off to address his mental health, all that. And what does he do? He gets himself suspended for the entire uh, 2022 season. Making him not even... Like, even if he wasn't happy in Atlanta and he wanted to be traded, like, that's not even an option for the Falcons 
now he's just a sitting duck there, you know. Uh, at least the the Falcons get that money saved off of the cap, which technically actually puts them under the cap, which is a very small silver lining. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just a really sad situation and in a lot of different ways. And, you know, shout out to the Falcons for handling it the way that they did. I think they, they showed uh, why they're a class organization under Arthur Blank. But just talking about on the field, I have no idea what the Falcons are going to do at the receiver position. I mean, maybe they draft one at number eight. They don't have a whole bunch of money to go out and sign some wide receivers. You know, Russell Gage was our best receiver last year. He's an unrestricted free agent. He's probably priced himself out of um, out of what Atlanta can afford. I, I don't know what they're going to do. They're going to struggle. Uh, I'll just, I hate to break it to you. That's what's going to happen. Okay, I mean, uh, I mean... I, I did I did think that that was gonna that, that was the case I will say but anyways now now this is really hard to do when talking about the Falcons but there are two bright spots that I want to point out yeah already looking at me like what Cordero Patterson had a good season AJ Terrell quietly man's an island. Uh, and not like a tourist destination, but like more of a Bermuda Triangle-esque island. You, you might not hear much about his coverage because unlike, say, a Trayvon Diggs, he's not out here just like snatching interceptions all over the place. But the other thing he's not doing is allowing catches around him. Like he, you know, he just, that's it. He generally doesn't allow catches, big plays around him. And as a young corner, like there's a ton of potential there. At least like there's something there to look at in a positive way. Like we have a good corner. Crazy. And Chris Lindstrom as well, quietly had one of the better seasons out of any guard in the NFL. He didn't allow a sack all year. Um, so, I mean, there are a couple of building blocks for sure. Like, you know, we mentioned Kyle Pitts earlier, but and we could have had Javante Williams, but you know, um, <laughs> just never going to get over that. But yeah, I mean, the Falcons, they've got a lot that they've got to do. Um, you know, Grady Jarrett, Deion Jones, these are guys who are on these big contracts. Jake Matthews as well. I mean, these are guys who are still f- fine. Uh, Grady Jarrett had a pretty poor season by his standards last year. I just don't know if they really fit the timeline of what the Falcons are going to have to look at. Uh, moving forward and in the rebuild that they're going to have to to do. Cause I feel like the Falcons are still caught. Do they still try to go for the division because it's not that great of a division anymore with Tom Brady retiring uncertainty with the saints, with Sean Payton leaving and the Panthers. We, you know, we already talked about them. I, I just hope that they blow it up. I mean, we just don't, there's not enough left. To, to compete and I, I think it's it's pretty obvious. Like I said before, the Falcons are lucky that they didn't have a worse record. So please, Arthur, if you're listening to this, whether that's Arthur Smith or Arthur Blank, whichever one, it doesn't matter, do not go for it this season. It will not work. I know we said you were a long shot, but like that doesn't mean that you should have hope. Because we as fans certainly don't. I think that is all that we should say about the Falcons. Moving on to the Las Vegas Raiders. 
they were they came in at number 20 on our tier list. Surprise, surprise, they actually ended up making the playoffs. That game between the Raiders and the Chargers to determine who would make the playoffs was crazy. But, Mike, how far away were we off on them? We were nine off from them. Uh, they ended up being the 11th best team in the NFL this year. So, within 10, hey. But, yeah, it uh, when you consider there's 32 teams in the NFL, it's not that great. No, it's not. Like the Panthers, the Raiders also started 3-0. and But they managed to do much better than that. They ended up at 10-7. and And, you know, I, I mentioned that game between the Raiders and the Chargers to determine who would make the playoffs. But, you know, shout out to the Raiders. After they got blown out by the Chiefs 48-9, to their last four games, they managed to win all of them by an average of three points. They won by two, by four, by three, and by three. So they just barely did enough to make it to the playoffs. But, you know, I think just making it to the playoffs, especially with all of that turmoil with John Gruden, shout out to Rich Bisaccia, who came in and did a great job and unfortunately just didn't get the uh, the backing from the organization I guess from the the top of the organization, everybody else in the organization loved him, but he didn't get the opportunity to, to take that head coaching position. And now we're finally going to see how Josh McDaniels operates outside of new England. So that'll be interesting to see. Derek Carr had himself a nice little season through for almost 5,000 yards, 23 touchdowns to 14 picks. Could be better. Uh, Hunter Renfro had himself a solid season as well. Uh, But yeah, after they fired Gruden, seven and five, but those four clutch victories at the end that you pointed out there. You know, they lose to the Bengals in the first round of the playoffs, but can't really shade them for that. The Bengals went to the Super Bowl, and I mean that Bengals game was close. So, I think the Raiders made some strides this season. I like the hire of Josh McDaniels. I think he'll do a lot for them. It's unfortunate for them that they're in that freaking division otherwise i'd say like you know something more optimistic you know like oh look out for them in the future with that division who knows but like they should become at least competitive next year moving on to number 19 we had the new orleans saints they ended up finishing 15th best so we were four off there they finished nine and eight second in the nfc south don't make the playoffs and with that the sean payton era comes to comes to an end and we start the dennis allen era doesn't quite have the same Uh, ring to it not in the slightest uh he's been their defensive coordinator since like 2015 i think when we did the preseason tier list we talked about the quarterback situation and i don't think they have an answer for that yet they they tried uh they tried Jameis winston they tried trevor simeon they they tried Taysom hill and none of that is super inspirational. No, and I mean, to be fair, Jameis Winston was having a pretty good season before he got hurt. This man played in seven games and only had three interceptions. That's pretty good by anybody's standards, much less Jameis Winston's standards, especially when you consider he had 14 touchdowns in that time. And he didn't have Michael Thomas still. Who knows if that man will ever play football again? I don't even know what's going on there. But yeah, they got to figure out 
if they're going to bring him back once he recovers from his surgery or not. So that'll be interesting. Alvin Kamara, he had by far his worst season. And not only that, but the whole Pro Bowl incident that we referred to as well. I mean, he averaged under four yards per carry, didn't reach a thousand yards rushing. And he wasn't the same dynamic threat at the receiving, you know, on the receiving side either. So their their two biggest weapons, Michael Thomas didn't even play it. Alvin Kamara disappointed. And like we mentioned at the top of the episode, he's being paid like the number three back in the league. He's not performing like it right now. So hopefully, as a Falcons fan, the Saints will finally not be super competitive uh, for the, the next however long um, while they retool. And of course, they've got that crazy cap situation there where they somehow managed to get away with it every year, but they're like tens of millions over the cap. I don't know how they do it, but uh, I'm just hoping for some relief. Like finally the saints won't be good. And, and maybe, I mean, of course the Falcons aren't going to be good either, but at least I don't want to see the saints doing well. (laughs) Every time we've talked about the saints on this podcast before today, we've been talking about the impact of great coaching featuring Sean Payton. So maybe, maybe the Dennis Allen era won't be a successful one. You know, maybe, maybe we can just hope for that as Falcons fans, of course. Uh, number 18, we were really wrong with the Bengals. And this is one of our other like big L's, but we're going to talk about it anyway. San Francisco 49ers. So we had them at the 18th best, and they ended up being the fourth best. Of course, they lost to the Rams in the NFC Championship game by three. So they almost went to the Super Bowl, or you know, were reasonably close to the Super Bowl. Now, here's something I want to bring up. This seems like a good time to say it. Dave, on episode 11, we did some hot takes. And you had a three-part hot take. Okay, so part one was that the NFC West would have three teams make the playoffs. Check. We had the 49ers, the Rams, and the Cardinals. You said that one of those teams would win the Super Bowl. Check. Rams won the Super Bowl. Hey. You said now the other part of this was that you said that the defensive player of the year and the MVP would also come out of this division. Aaron Donald was close, and Cooper Cup got an MVP vote. So what I'll say is that Aaron Donald was tied for second in votes for defensive player of the year, and Cooper Cup was third in MVP voting. So I think if for all of those hot takes to hit would have been pretty crazy, but I'm just happy with the first two being correct. Um, so I guess shout out to the 49ers for that. Shout out Debo Samuel. Uh, dude's a straight up monster. Like 1,800 yards of offense or just about uh, between like 1,400 receiving and another 400-ish. I think it was like 365 on the ground. Actually, that's exactly what it was. So another 365 on the ground, deserving of all the national attention that he was getting 
Like I said, straight up baller. Props to him. Kyle Shanahan still coaching. Kyle Shanahan still not winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, you know, shout out Elijah Mitchell in his first uh, season coming out of nowhere to lead that backfield, and he almost had a thousand yard season in his rookie year. He looks pretty good. George Kittle probably had a below average season for him, or for his standards, I should say. Didn't quite reach that thousand yard plateau either. But we got to talk about one guy in particular. Jimmy Garoppolo, a surface level, he looks like a pretty good quarterback. And I'm not just talking about his smile. Yeah, his face. (laughs) I'm I'm talking about his his stats. I mean, 3,800 yards, 20 touchdowns, 12 picks, completed 68% of his passes. I mean, he did all right. But when it matters most, he does not have the clutch gene. He does not have what it takes. How many times do I have to tell y'all? And finally, it seems like they're going to give Trey Lance his shot and Jimmy Garoppolo is going to go somewhere else. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is good enough to get a team into the playoffs. Not on his own, of course, uh, but he's good enough to be the the quarterback of a playoff caliber team. I just don't think he has what it takes to go all the way. And the 49ers are kind of remind me of the Broncos in that they have a really good defense, some a strong supporting cast on offense. They just need that main guy. The Broncos traded for Russell Wilson and the 49ers are going to be counting on Trey Lance to be that guy. You know, he he had sporadic time on the field this year. He's that job is going to be his week one of next season. I have high hopes for him. I think he's exciting, um, but the 49ers have a lot riding on him for sure. So the 49ers were the best of our long shots. So at least that maybe makes it a little bit better <laughs> um, that they were at least the best of that tier, but that's also going to wrap up part one of recapping this past NFL season. So we went through the no shots and the long shots of our preseason tier list, number 32 to number 18. And in a future episode, we'll go through and do number 17 to number one. As y'all can probably tell, we've already talked a lot about, (laughs) about these teams. And, you know, we wanted to give each team the, the time that they deserved. So that's going to wrap up this segment. And when we come back, we're going to do the usual hot seat and fun fact. All right, so we're back. We have had a hot bench in the past. I think this is going to be the first time where we actually do have a hot seat. Mike, why don't you explain to the listeners what I'm talking about? Oh, we were really excited when we saw this pop up. We were like, of all the things that we can put, this is literally a hot seat for the hot seat. So Glenn Big Baby Davis a name that I never thought that I would say on this podcast. My man from the Celtics way back when. I say way back when, I mean like 10 years ago. But my man was at a Celtics game and got caught getting in the wrong seats, trying to steal these seats a row ahead of him. He got caught on camera doing that, so they like played that for everyone to see. And then Kevin Durant saw it. And Kevin Durant said, 
those ain't your seats, big dog. Those ain't your seats. So Glenn Davis had to then like shuffle back and go to the previous, like the the row behind that to sit like in these worst seats. And it's just like, dude, you were an NBA player for like several years. You can afford whatever seats you want, right? Like, are you doing okay? Theoretically. I was just like, the timing of it was priceless where they're showing him. They literally say 2008 NBA champion with the Celtics as he's being told to get out of the seat (laughs) by an usher and go back to his seats that he was supposed to be sitting in in the first place. And just in case you've never seen this guy, there's a reason why his nickname was Big Baby, because this man is huge. Yeah, I mean, Gwen Davis was like 6'9", somewhere in the neighborhood of like 280, 290 pounds, at least like when he was playing. Uh, Now, assuming he's like one of those athletes that let himself go, It's probably closer to 300 pounds now. Yeah, I wouldn't really want to be sitting behind him either. <laughs> Although, if you're at a Celtics game, it's a Celtics legend. Well, okay, timeout. <laughs> I was about to say. It's a Celtics champion. They just throw around that? the word legend anytime nowadays. Yeah, let me back the hell up real quick. Yeah, I meant like, oh, it was a member of a, a legendary team in that like, Rondo, Pierce, Allen, Garnett. All that being said, we'll post a video of this on our social media because it is a funny clip to see. But moving on to the last big thing that we have for the episode, and that's Dave's fun fact. All right. So give you all a little window into uh, me and Mike's personal lives for a second. The two of us have both been on at least one of, if not multiple of the dating apps in the past year or two, give or take. I'm not going to give too, too much away. Um, But I came across a story involving a dating app that was unlike any that I had ever come across before. We're going to move to the country of Iceland. And you might think, oh, does Iceland have tinder or bumble or whatever there the answer is i'm not sure but what i do know is that they have a dating app for icelandic people specifically for for one particular reason to make sure that they're not dating their own family members now let me explain myself for a second so iceland only has a population of about three hundred thirty thousand people And more than two-thirds of that population live around the capital. So with such a small population in such a condensed space, and the fact that there aren't a whole bunch of people like going and moving to Iceland, chances are that a lot of the people who live there are related in some capacity. And so there are these um, developers that created this app Um, using this online genealogy database where you down like all these Icelandic single people download the app, put in all their information and stuff. And then when these Icelander 
Icelanders, I don't know if they, that's what they call them, are out and about or they're on a date or whatever, all they have to do is open up the app, bump their phones together, and it'll tell them like how far away they are related, if they are related at all, to let them know, like, all right, we're good to continue this, or, eh, probably we shouldn't continue on with this any further. Maybe we can be friends. So the engineers have named this particular feature the, quote, incest spoiler, with the slogan, but... Bump the app before you bump into bed. <laughs> I am not making this up, but like what's funny though is like this is actually a really useful tool for these poor Icelandic people who are trying to like meet somebody new. Make sure that it's like not your second cousin accidentally or something, you know? So shout out to these developers, shout out to these Icelandic people struggling, you know. If you ever hear any of your friends talking about how the dating app life is hard here, well, try being, try living in Iceland. That's all I'm going to say. Oh my gosh. Uh, first of all, I, I jokingly said, I think this was like six years ago or something like that. I was like, I ought to move to Iceland to try out for the Icelandic basketball league. That way, like, you know, sure, there's not that much competition there. Like, out here spitting major shade against any, like, Icelandic basketball players right now. But I'm like, surely I could go there and, like... 1v1 me! Yeah, like, put me on the court. I bet that I'm a better shooter than at least some of these people in the Icelandic basketball league or whatever, right? But now it's, like, a whole new appeal to it because it's, like, suddenly I'm even more appealing in Iceland. It's, like... Check this out. I don't even have to bump my phone because I'm not from here. I guarantee we're not related, <laughs> which I guess sets me apart. It's like going to a family reunion, and but like not being in the family. It's like, hey, I'm like the only <laughs> available product here. I love that that was like such a problem that like that it bred necessity for it. Uh, no pun intended with bread there. Uh yeah, I mean, I guess it's a part of life there at this point. Yeah, like it, you just go into it knowing that that's a, a real possibility. And so you're just like, oh, well, no hard feelings. Let's just move on to the next person, I guess. Well, yeah, I was not expecting you to go down that road, but that that is a fun one. I wonder if we can like hook a sponsorship with this app. I feel like we're not the target audience, but okay. I would tell you the actual name of the app. Uh, but it's in Icelandic, and I do not know how to say that, so. <laughs> okay, so maybe we'd have to learn how to say it before we can start promoting it on our show. But, you know me, always looking for the sponsors and everything. But, heck, why not? But, if you've enjoyed our show, episode 23 of the Mike and Dave podcast, leave us that five-star rating, send us... You know, whoever is looking for sponsors, you know, you know that we're looking to promote. Uh, we're looking for that partnership. So hit us up at Mike and Dave Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where again we'll be posting the video of Glenn Davis stealing seats. Let us know what you think of these uh, 
the teams that we talked about today from the NFL, how they did. If your team is one of those teams, how did your team do? And finally, let us know. Do you think that my bold prediction counts? Do you think do you think I got that? We'd also love to hear from you if you think that it didn't count. But anyways, I'm I get maybe I'm just a little salty that my bold prediction didn't come true. Which I guess just to wrap this up real quick, my bold prediction was that someone would break the uh, passing yards in a season record. And Tom Brady did have the third most passing yards in a season all time. So he got pretty close. So it's not a horrible prediction, but it didn't technically work. And I'm owning up to that and knowing that like, no, that did not actually count. But regardless, uh, yeah, hope you've enjoyed the episode. A bit of a longer one, but yeah, hope you enjoyed going us going through and uh, going through team by team and owning up to our mistakes, or at least some of us opening, owning up to our mistakes. The jury's still out. We're going to let the... F- we're going to let the fans, the adoring public, decide if I have any mistakes to own up to in the first place of that bold prediction. But until such time, this has been Mike. This has been Dave, and you've been listening to the Mike and Dave Podcast. Alexander on the beat.